Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You know, I played in big places and played in small places, and the backstages don't get any better. This is no all right. No matter what. You can go to a big place and there's small backstage, you know. Obviously, a place like Brixton or something like that, you'll have like mini rooms. Yeah, so it's different, different story. But, but this is uh, this is normal. I want to get my notes out very quickly. A lot of times I don't even get it backstage, so this is this is all good, you know. It's all good. <laughs> you arrive and you're on stage and then you're out. I actually saw you when you played the um the show The Dwarves at the Underworld. Cool. You were just out the front just smoking with everyone, like just a regular guy, and I love that. And my friend Carly works there, says you were just up top earlier just having a pizza and watching the Crystal Maze. Yeah, man, I have to have to have to do what I like, you know. I like to go to the pubs, I like to drink, I like to, you know, like everyone else get some food and hang out and I like meeting people which is uh the death acoustic stuff is good for me because I get to meet people you know sometimes I can't deal with it sometimes I can you know when I can I go hide for a minute and then I get back in the zone of like okay I'm here to play some shows and meet some people have some fun you know there's no barrier here and no no like I'm on a backstage right now which is kind of rock star style I guess but <laughs> This nobody, is nobody, as removed as it's going to be. Nobody, I mean, there's no barrier at these shows, which is great. I don't like that shit. I don't think a band needs a barrier, especially acoustic artists need a barrier. So it's uh, it's ridiculous to put a barrier between the crowd. It makes it not everybody's show, you know. It needs to be, I think a show is 50% crowd and 50% uh, band. And if the band sucks, sometimes the crowd's better than the band, you know. 
<laughs> I used to DJ at a venue. There's one in Brooklyn. There's one in Vegas called the Brooklyn Bowl. Okay. And uh, there was one in London. It recently closed down. But their whole vibe, the guy who ran it was Jake from New York. And he had that kind of old school New York hardcore mentality. But he was like, there's no need for a barrier. There's no need Ever. for Dorman in front of the stage. Ever. And you'd have bands like the Bronx and Every Time I Die. And there'd be people crowd surfing like continuously yeah, all can't night. You can't stage dive if there's a barrier. It's just, you know, and bouncers pounding on you for having fun. It's like, <laughs> it's It self-polices itself as well, doesn't That's it? Right. Like, That's right. You just put it That's into right. the kind of hands of a mutual trust and respect. That's right. That's right. If you had an ass kicking coming, then you take it. <laughs> but normally people are having fun, and you know, it's all it's all good fun. It's all everybody's everybody's got anger and angst to let out, and and everybody's there for the same reason. Especially hardcore music. I I, I just joined a really great hardcore band, and that I'm a huge fan of my whole life. You know. I'm playing with John Joseph from Cro-Mags and like, holy hell, man, he's badass. When did that happen? That just happened. Uh, we did a, they had a record recorded and I recorded the bass on it. I was the last member to be put into place um, for the band. And it was it's Joey Castillo on drums, Todd Youth on guitar, which is ripping. And I'm used to playing in bands with Joey, so we're a good rhythm section. I like to think we are, and uh, and John Joseph. I mean, I was in a Chromax video when I was 14 years old, the We Got to Know video, and I saw him open up for Motorhead, and I was just blown away by this band, and I've always loved him. And so to have a chance to, and then the record is is coming out in July. It's called Up in Arms by Blood Clot is the name of the band, and it's authentic crossover, uh, Age of Coral, and early Bad Brains. Wow. It's a rip off of those, but they're ripping themselves off. So it's okay. It's like, it's when I heard it, I was like, I heard the demos. I said, dude, I want in, dude. You gotta give me in. I love John Joseph's voice and I love a lot of the stuff that he's done, but my favorite's Age of Coral. And this is the, this, this is the thing I've listened to most next to Age of Coral that he's done. Like I, I, I normally don't listen to things that I play on over and over again, but I, I'm really fascinated by this record and I, and I can't wait for to come out and play it and, and do it you know we did one show so far so how did it go well was it was, it? Uh, it was great it was in la it was at a it was at like a doom festival so it wasn't really our crowd but uh people were like what they were tripping on it so it was mm-hmm. killer and uh, it was a bit of a shot of adrenaline for them like <laughs> oh it's great it was great so we got uh we got that in july coming out on metal blade which is a metal label but it's uh it's it's it's, it's hardcore for sure and it's uh we're doing a tour around it in the states, so we'll do the, the, the in July. We'll be in the states, and hopefully we'll come. I know he's coming here with Chromax sometime. I think in September, so it'd have to be sometime after that to come over here. But I, I can't wait to, to to come over to 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 these shores and play and play with that band. You know, it's gonna be you, exciting. You're a real for me as an outsider looking in, Nick. A real like musical mutt, and I mean that term in a complimentary way. Uh, like you're a real you're a cocktail of of hard you mean you mentioned a lot of the stuff there like kind of stoner doom heavy metal hardcore punk rock rock and roll Um, i like all of it what were the bands for you as a kid or like a toddler i mean when first of all when were you exposed to music in a way that you went yeah that's what i want to do and what were the bands that set that fire off inside you well when i was really really little um i i was into kiss you know kiss was uh something that you know when you're five and six and seven years old like kiss is fucking amazing and you were the right age at the right time for that as well right yeah it certainly was, I was, I was late 70s kiss army kinda, and all yeah. that stuff <laughs> i was really into it and um 
I might even start out with some disco or something when I was really, really little, you know. Ain't nothing wrong with that, brother. But the first, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and uh, um, the first record I I remember buying, I was really little, was Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. Killer. <laughs> I bought that because, Killer. and I remember the cover was light blue and it had like the, the Candyland yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, with the red the Sugar and Hill Gang, yeah, you know, with yeah. the hole in the middle of the, of the mm-hmm. you know. Like I, the, I think I own that record. TJ record, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? And, um. I remember buying that. My brother was listening to some stuff, and and, and I and I, I really liked that, so I bought it. And, and I think a year or two later, I bought a, a Kiss record because I, I kind of leaned more towards rock and roll. And um, but you know that was the first record I bought was Sugar Hill Gang and and maybe a, a Village People record or something. You know? And then I bought that. To be honest, to speak honest, you know, I'm not. So gonna, you were destined. I'm not gonna from lie and moment. say. I'm not gonna lie and say I bought the Stooges Raw Power record first, and then Black. <laughs> well, no, Black what you've got right there is Queens of the Stone Age. Like yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. this kind of yeah, disco, I mean, funky. It, yeah. mm. I, I, I love music <laughs> of all different genres. If it's good, I love it. You know, that's and, the only genre that matters, right? Is quality. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and there's good bands and good, good. There's good bands and, and good artists in every genre. You just have to search it out. And I don't want to limit myself to one thing, you know, and go like, that's all I like, you know. I did that when I was in my teenage years. Every you know? teen does, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. Part of being a teenager is aligning yourself with a certain scene and the that's mentality right. that you get into is almost like, fuck everything else. That's right, yeah. That's but you outgrow wrong. that real right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not fucking punk. That's, that's not metal. Right, that's right, absolutely. So obviously Kiss and Sugar Hill Gang and Village People, they're the early records. But what was the first, perhaps, band really that you saw when I want to be in a band? That's what I want to do. Well, I saw the Cro-Mags play, and I already knew I wanted to play music because of uh, Black Sabbath, Black Flag. Um, the Ramones taught me how to play. The first record of the Ramones, I was trying to play guitar, and I couldn't do it so good. I was trying to, to play Randy Rhodes and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> it's a pretty it up, kid. high and standard to set yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Led Zeppelin and stuff like this, and and um, and uh, it was too advanced for what I was trying, like learning and. And the Ramones, if you unplug the left-hand side of the speaker, just the right side plays bass. And if you plug that in, play with it. Just they mix that first record, like guitar on one side, bass on the other. Wow, and like mono style, Phil Spector style, old school. Great. Yeah, I learned how to play it. I learned the notes. I could play along by ear. And so I, the Ramones were the first band that gave me the, the like, wow, I, I can actually do this. I can I can play along. I, I might be able to do this. And then and, and I love the Damned so much. You know. Um, the first jam I ever had with, with, with musical conversation I had with another player was Brant Bjork, who drums in Caius, and uh, we were called Cats and Jammer. And I played guitar, and we did New Rose and She by the Misfits and Blitzkrieg Bop and I Don't Care by the Ramones, and those are the songs we jammed, you know, first time ever having a... I recently hung with Brant for a, a brief moment at the Mass Mental London show they did, so it was Robert Trujillo. Um, obviously, it's kind of his project, it, and then there was my friend Benji from Skin Dread and Whip from Ugly Kid Joe singing wow. and then you had Brant on drums and wow. Phil Campbell came along and wow. it was actually his first show post Lemmy's passing wow it was a real special night yeah Br- Brant's a cool is cat a drag man Lemmy dying is the worst I mean you know so um, you got the tattoo on your hand there yeah it's my tribute Born to, to Lemmy. Lose, I got to Ramones win. on this side Motorhead on this side two very important bands for sure and, and Motorhead is 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 an institution to people, you know. It's like I saw Motorhead with Cro-Mags in '86. The first time I saw Motorhead live was with the Cro-Mags opening up. Blew me away. One of the main turning points for me, knowing for sure I wanted to play music, was going to that show. It was in San Bernardino at the Orange Pavilion, and and, uh, 
and I never thought about it backstage when I was a kid. I never thought like I'm gonna go meet the band. I just thought like, okay, I'm gonna get my ticket, I'm gonna buy a shirt, I'm gonna have some fun, and I'm gonna go see this. I'm gonna go see Motorhead, you know. I listen to them on my stereo, loud as loud as they. I, I want to hear what I've been told, how loud they are live, you know. And, and I need to feel this. And uh, man, when Chromax got done, they came out into the crowd. What? And they answered my stupid questions. I was like, what's Lemmy like? You know, it had nothing to do with, with it must have been like, God, this kid's driving me crazy. Ask about Lemmy, you know? <laughs> and they were cool to me, dude. And, 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 and it really was a turning point for me. I was like, I wanna, I wanna play music for sure. Like, I, I, I can do this. These guys are like, are like us in the crowd. They're out there's here. No, there's no barrier back to that whole they thing. They came out and talked to us and hung out and watched Motorhead with us. And it was like, it was an amazing night for me and and at that point i knew like but ramones were the band i could figure out more of and made me want to play music and gave me the courage like i can do this and the chromags come out and talking to us and, and watching the show with us and being cool we're like wow man people like us can do a band it's okay you know like we're not just in the crowd and they're up there it's like we can be up there and be out here and and it really made me want to do it. And, uh, and I knew at that point, like, I don't care. I'm doing music, you know. I'm going to work my job. I'm going to do my music. I'm going to do whatever, it, it, you know, it takes to make my rent to play music. You know, working, roofing, whatever, you know. Which I don't do anymore, thanks. <laughs> once, I, I'd roof my own house if I had to. <laughs> once it becomes like a full-time job, that's when you know that you've made it right no matter what level you're at if you can earn a living off doing what you love i play in five bands and um and i still come out and do acoustic because i love it and it helps me to get my my rent paid i've been in the queens of stonies for 13 years so it's uh i did once upon a time i made some some money playing music you know and it was like well i can honestly say i did it once and on a level of like whoa i, I look back at some of the things i i appreciated then but didn't quite grasp of like this is going to end real soon dude you better remember what's going on here because you I, obviously I, didn't foresee that at all i didn't did foresee you? what happened as far as like uh getting getting uh cut out of of uh something that was that was half mine and and, and i and i signed away i signed it away which i didn't have to do i mean i did i did not legally i mean but i don't care it's not one of those things like I'm not a... I read a quote from you earlier. I don't want to interrupt you, sorry, but I read a quote from you earlier which said that all the lawsuits and the legal side, all that stuff kills music. That's not what it's about. That ain't what I play for. I, I, don't, I don't care about... You know, I was never fighting for the name. I, I, I made some mistakes and, and signed over things like, you know, everything, you know. I had half of the merch on the website and all that shit. I was like, you don't want to play with me? Signed it all away. Not knowing exactly what I was signing away, but all the gear we bought half of together... It's all his, and, and you know, I've got to use his studio a few times. Like, it isn't like it's all gone, you know. I, it, it belongs to him now, and then uh, I got no room for a monitor desk in my van I'm traveling in. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the way you got to look at it, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, at least his, 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 the, the name of, that I helped to build, I, I believe we, I helped to build this name with him. It was worth nothing when, when I started playing with him, and, and we made it worth something because we cared about it. Not just him, but I, 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 I cared about it. And I still care about it to the sense where I don't want him to stop doing it. And I don't want the name to, to die out. I, I get bummed out on some of the moves that have been made by some of the players involved since I've been gone. Like, 
their choice of who they'll play with and, and, and will tie in with, with that name. Because I, I, I really believe in the name and, and, um, and I believe in uh, the band. I, I have recordings of, from every session we ever did that parts never got used, vocals never got used, lyrics never got used, that I could have bootlegged a hundred times over. But I, I always stayed true to, to, to my army, you know, and, and, and my friends. And um, regardless to whatever beefs we've had in the past, is, is regardless, that, that aside, that's irrelevant to me when it comes to... to uh, the reputation of that. Yeah. Thing, I mean, you know, maybe I bum them out with some of the things I do. I don't know. I, they've never really said anything to me. Yeah, about they that. said if you hang out with that guy Matt Stocks again backstage said, hey, in Birmingham, dude, that's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Can we take it way back, Nick? You've sort of touched on a few of the things that I'd like to get into with you in a bit more detail. Um, so you're is it 11 years old and you move out to the desert? You're born and sort of raised yes. during your formative younger years yes, in Los sir. Angeles, uh, in the more metropolitan sort of district. Um, what inspires the move out to the desert on your parents behalf well my my mother and my dad were kind of um you know my mom wanted to she got a she worked at a, a ralph's supermarket and in, in in the deli my dad was a linen supply driver linen, linen supplies to restaurants and can i just switch this fan oh, of off? course yeah of course it's pretty hot in here anyway <laughs> it is hot as hell <laughs> But um, continue. Sir. When we first came in here, it was pretty hot, but it was pretty cold. I mean, um, my dad was a linen supply driver in Venice, California, Bay City Linen Supply, and my mother worked at a supermarket called Ralph's. And um, I know she, Ralph's. Yeah, 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 yeah. They long story. They you know corporations how they screw people over. They they got they they screwed her in the end, but. They offered her a job uh, advancement to be a deli manager for X amount of dollars. I don't know how much she was she was making more than she was in in Culver City, but uh, um, it was a new up and coming community. Like when I first moved out to the desert in 1983, there was nothing out there. There was no mall. Like it was a big deal when a mall was built, and there's nothing there. You're like a mall, wow, you know, a mall. Who cares? But it, it was important to us when we were kids. There was no venues for bands to play. Um, it was desert lot, desert lot, a house. There was no sewer system when I first moved there. If it rained, it flooded. There was a wash. The water went down into the wash, you know. <laughs> it's like medieval living. Yeah, man. It was like really, really back backwards for me. And and I hated my parents for moving me out there when they moved me out there, you know. I look back and I go, wow, I never played in any of the bands I played in had I not started in Caius, you know. That's what got it started. And if I hadn't moved to the desert, it would have never happened. So... I thank them now, you know, I thank my mom now, but uh, in the beginning it was, uh, I was probably, probably a pretty bad kid. <laughs> I mean, what were you like as a kid? Were you a troublesome, angry kid? Were you a happy kid? Were you I was a studious kid? I, mean, I was what crazy, was your... I was outgoing, and I right. was, I was uh, uh, you know, I always liked to jump in the middle. I didn't like, I still don't have like, I don't know how to go to bed at night. You know, I don't know how to set the alarm and go to sleep. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how to lay down in bed, cover up, and I'm going to sleep now. It's like I stay up wherever I'm sitting. I fall asleep, you know? Because, you crash when you crash. Yeah, when I was a kid, they used to try to put me to sleep, and I'd run, I'd fall asleep standing up because I, I, I'm not going to – no way. I'd go hide in the bushes until they left back inside because I'm not going to go to sleep when you want me to. <laughs> Does that relate back to some sort of perhaps ADD? Were you ever diagnosed? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly what that is. You know, uh, Brant Bjork always says, you know, he goes, yeah, you're, you're, I guess you're one of those kids who doesn't want the chocolate bar. He wants to just stick the spoon in the sugar and eat it and go run around like crazy. And I used to do that when I was a kid. I was pretty, 
That's pretty, a really good analogy. to yeah. say the least. And, um, How did you meet Brant, Josh, and John? How did you four characters get together? Well, I knew Brant first. I, my dad wanted me to play baseball, so I played baseball, and I played against Brant's team. And his dad was coaching his team. After we moved out from L.A., I moved to the desert. I played Brant's team. and uh, So I knew Brant. Was he a cool kid? Yeah, he, he, he turned me on to a lot of good music. Um, great music. And I saw his band, his first band today, when he was 13 years old. They played uh, with D.I., Doggy Intercourse, and uh, Z.C. Zizo Zadfrak, and the Doom Buggy Attack Battalion, which was Sean Wheeler's band from Throw Rag. And, um, and they were called Today, and, and Brant was great. He was on drums. He was like, wow. And, and so I, I didn't realize that this kid I played baseball with was like, well, he plays music. I play music. And we got to talking after I saw him that, that time. I said, hey, man, you know, it was good. I really like your drumming. He said, you should come over to my house and jam sometime. You got an amp. If you had an amp and a guitar in the desert, you could go jam with people, dude. And it was that was pretty much it. Like all you needed was an amp and a guitar. If you had the gear, it could be a small amp. What well, didn't matter. You can go jam with somebody. And, and I hadn't jammed with anybody yet. And even though I was a couple years older than those guys, cool. And I went over and I never forget. You know, uh, our first practice we did. You know, we did some covers and Brant had an original and Josh showed up. And I played second guitar, and, and this guy, Chris Cockrell, played bass. He lives in Berlin now. I just saw him. And uh, it was crazy, man. We I sang these songs. They had the words written down, and they had these parts. And, I, and I, so I sang them, and we recorded it, and, and John showed up later. And, and John didn't want to sing. They, they, John was a friend of theirs at school. He was like, you're going to sing in our band. He's like, I am. They kind of forced him to, to do it at first. And uh, I met an interview, John, and he's such a sweet guy. He is, he is. And he talked very much about how shy he was to begin with and how he really had to be brought out of his own skin. He didn't show up inside. We did our first party in 1987 at Halloween. The older kids watched us play. They said, start. And our singer wasn't there, John. He was out in the car reading the lyrics, all scared, you know, shy. He thought he'd show up on the last song because he could hear it in the car. He could, I can hear them playing. So uh, <laughs> he shows up on the end of the last song like, fuck, I'm late. I'm sorry, guys. And it wasn't, dude. So the older kids are like, we want to hear it with you singing. So, because they liked us instrumentally, they want to hear the songs now with you with the singer now. So we got to play twice. Nice. <laughs> and John was so nervous. He was just like, no. <laughs> but he, he, you know, it kicked ass. It was fun. It was um, at a friend Chris Baker's house in his backyard on a Halloween party in 1987. That's where it all began, right there. That's how it all began, Palm Desert, California. And, um, that scene has obviously been eulogized, mythologized until the cows come home. But I wonder if you could set the scene a bit as to what those generator parties were like. Because it must have been pretty rough and ready, played, right? This first party we played was just a backyard party on Primrose Avenue, I think. It was Primrose Street or Primrose Avenue uh, near Palm Desert Middle School. It was just a house, friend's house, and like backyard. His parents were out of town for the weekend. It was like, party. you know, a couple of keggers and uh, three bands. And um, <laughs> was there a lot of drugs going around? Was it kind of wild oh, scene? Yeah, yeah. There was lots of like uh, meth and things like that, in in in, in especially in the desert because big open spaces, lots of wind, and they could have meth labs out there, and you know, so there was lots of stuff like that as a kid, um, exposed to that very young. Um, How old age. were you when you tried your first like narcotic drugs? I was eleven. Eleven. What yeah. was what was your first? Well, my mom smoked weed with me because she wanted to see if I did drugs. Right. I had already been smoking weed. <laughs> so I grabbed it like this, like, 
She goes, how do you know how to hold that? <laughs> I go, because I smoke weed, mom. It was a New Year's Eve. I'll never forget it. Yeah. She goes, what? She was all let down with my aunt. It was my aunt's weed. She was like, my aunt was like, it's cool. You know, my aunt liked to smoke weed. She partied and whatever. But my uncle, um, my uncle gave me speed when I was 11, which kind of throws me back because I look back at that and I go like, I would never give an 11 year old, any, not even weed myself. Mm, I'd probably I not would even never do that. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could convince an 11 year old it's a great idea to, you know, but I would never, it doesn't make it right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I couldn't do that. And, 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 and I love, I love, I love, you know, if I had kids, I, I don't, but all my friends do. And I love my friends' kids. They're great people. And, 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 and I love watching them grow. And I don't, I would be, I would, hurt somebody if they gave them at 11 years old or younger or even a couple of years older than that even getting them high I'd be like Ugh. I would lose my mind you know because I, I there's been times in my life where things have gone really good and times where they've gone bad and maybe due to you know that kind of thing to an 11 year old like dude let me give me a chance here dude of course I want to try it I'm a, you're my older uncle you're you're the guy I want to be like you know but I'm 11 dude do you feel like maybe you got um what am I trying to say here? Do you feel like you had the chips stacked against you then from a young age? No, I mean, no? I, I, well, not so much that. I mean, there's been times where it's worked to my advantage in times where I've had a hard time. So it isn't really his fault that he gave me that, but at the same time, it's like I wouldn't It wasn't never a responsible in a move. a million years. You know, he was being four years older than me. He kind of knew a little bit better than to do to an 11-year-old kid like that's the same as molesting a kid, as far as I'm concerned. Getting them, you know, it's, it's abuse. And well, all, it's you know? a it's a um, corruption of innocence. That's right. There you go. There you go. That's a better yeah. term for it for sure. And, and yeah. you know, I don't blame him for it now. But there's been times where I was like, that, you know. But you know, he's 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 still he's my uncle, and he you know he was young too. You know, it's it's all good. But uh, but those those parties, I personally would never do that. I personally would never do that to a kid. But those parties were like. When I was younger, I was treated as a as an adult by not only my family but people around, and 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 because because I did I had been around the block so to speak at a young age, and and I could grow facial hair at a young age, like I had long the hair. The facial hair has always been you know yeah, your signature feature. How old were you when you got your mustache going on? Well, my dad shaved, you know, so I started shaving. And he had like a fake razor, and I switched it out the real one and started shaving for real. And then it started coming in, and, and uh, so I came in pretty young. I can't remember how old I was. I remember buying porn mags, beer, cigarettes, booze at the local Circle K. <laughs> Circle K, store. man, that takes me back. You know what I mean? I, the local convenience store on the corner, they would sell me whatever I wanted. Plus, it was like a, a kid from high school, and it's like he didn't want to be considered the the. The, the dork who didn't uncool say, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he was cool and he would sell us whatever we wanted and stuff so we pretty much got whatever we wanted you know, I could go to bars and drink but those days are over for kids you know those days are long gone you can't even get a bag of cigarettes anymore so well they don't uh, want you to and what's weird I mean I they got phones that can track are you, you. <laughs> are you still a smoker What's that? Are you still a smoker? Oh yeah. I want to have a cigarette with you now. I want one so bad. Um, I don't know if we. Could, I think if that alarm goes off, we'd be at, in big trouble. At we, some we point, we need to have one though, because I haven't had a cigarette since New Year's Eve, and I've basically, for all intents and purposes, quit. But hanging out here with you right now, I want to smoke <laughs> a cigarette. Are you eleven? With you. Or are you older? I'm yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah. No, I'm legal. I'm legal. <laughs> um, everything's over, man. Like you look at cigarette boxes now, the branding can't be shown. I mean. I'm not, a, all... I'm not a patriotic kind of guy, just saying. It's all right, I'm it's not, radio, not, they won't see it. They won't all. see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Especially for America. <laughs> who's, who's running the show now? No. No dice. Fucking A. I mean, we Terrible. We won't get into that because this yeah. isn't a political Terrible. podcast. Well, yeah, I don't want to waste our time yeah. with that guy. <laughs> Let's talk about Blues for the Red Sun. Yeah. I mean, that was a game changer right there. That album inspired so many more of its kind. Thank you, dude. And sorry in advance right now. if I get you in trouble for this, hey, but I'm no, sure you won't get me in trouble. It will just, it'll just be loud and I'm like, ah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll just add to the ambiance. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Thanks, dude. So, yeah, this is my first cigarette. Blue Red Sun was uh, was a, was Chris Goss. I was going to ask you: Was he like? A, should his role in that whole sound not be overstated? Oh man, without Chris and you know. Caius helped to get started because Chris and Cynthia, his wife, she worked for BMI. I still have a publishing company for songwriting because of her. She started all that stuff, and Catherine Innie was our manager. Helped to get us started, and Chris got us signed. Her, him, him, and his wife, and our first managers, Catherine and Ron Crown. They brought people to our shows that would have never came had not been for them and they believed in it and, and Chris as far as Wretch goes if you listen to Wretch to Blues to the Red Sun it's night and day yeah. it really is it really is night and day and I'll tell you um, Blues to the Red Sun I remember doing pre-pro pre-production for that for that rehearsal and Chris Goss coming down and songs that were like bar chord you know kind of leaning towards punk rock were Chris was like, maybe we could rework this. There's a way to rework this part. A 50 million year trip, uh, for instance, that that was like, you know, it was like some bar chords. It turned into this like cool riff with the toms. It wasn't toms. It was like a, it was like a, a more Ramon style beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have demos for this stuff that like people would lose their mind to hear probably. And, and I've always stayed true to, to never screwing over any of the things like, care about and have pride about like my my my, my musical past I, I love it and, and, and I would never never step on that because it would step on too many people that were my friends as kids you know whether we're in an argument or not I would never screw up our history by giving away something that doesn't need to be given away Chris helped us find our sound and, and really helped us hone in on like this is what you guys are trying to do isn't it and like yeah that is you know and he, he really how did us. you meet him how did that relationship come about my first show back with Caius, because I played in Cats and Jammer, and when they asked me back, because I played bridge second guitar at first, they asked me back to play bass. I was like, sure. You know? So you went away, they did Sons of Caius, the EP, right? And then you came in for the first Caius record. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and Chris, and that was my that, first show with them was a September, I want to say I can even remember the date. It was like September 20th, 1990. And it was, the date might be off by a few days, but it was 1990 in September. His, Ginger Baker's first gig with Masters of Reality on drums. Wow. And my first gig back. Ginger Baker played with Masters of Reality. Ginger Baker played on the the Sunrise for the Suffer. I didn't know that. He's the drummer on Sunrise for the Suffer. He's a wild dude, isn't he? Man, he was girls backstage and he was chasing my girlfriends and our (laughs) friends. It was amazing. He was amazing. I was just like, this guy rules. You've seen the documentary on him, right? I haven't. You need to see it. opening scene. He breaks the director's nose. The opening scene of the of the documentary. You're he breaks his nose. No, he does. He does. Does he really? Watch it, and you're like, 
all right, this is what this is we're going in on this. He told me, I mean, Chris Goss told me that Ginger told him Jimi Hendrix didn't die because of the drugs. He died because of lack of the drugs. Right. <laughs> That's the kind of dude you're dealing went, with. He wouldn't have went to sleep. Yeah. And choked on his vomit. Yeah, yeah. And we showed up with the liquid cocaine we were supposed to show up with <laughs> earlier. They already had liquid cocaine and a bunch of syringes. They were going to shoot liquid cocaine all night. But they didn't make it there in time. So he got drunk and passed out and choked on his puke. Fuck <laughs> That was what Ginger Baker told Chris Goss. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's better. It'll be all right. I got the liquid cocaine here. <laughs> and he's still going. It's unbelievable to think that people like that are still, like, fucking alive. Yeah, he can't stop, though. How can he stop now? I mean, it's be like a shock to his system. What, one of the best things I loved about Lemmy was... You toured with Motorhead, right? Did you play? What was the band you were playing with? Mondo Generator. It was your band, right? Right. Yeah, it was an amazing. What's your thing. favorite Lemmy memory? Does one spring to mind? I'm oh, sure there's a thousand. Man, but... It was so. I mean, he was obviously a hero of mine, and uh, <laughs> he. It was a commercial when I was a kid about Mean Joe Green. It was an American football player. Right. <laughs> and this kid was a stupid soda commercial. This kid comes up and he's he's got his just his shoulder blades on, shoulder pads on, his jerseys off. And this kid gives him a soda and he goes, "Get out of here, kid!" He's pissed off, he lost the game, and the kid goes walking away. <laughs> he goes, "Hey!" He takes a drink. He goes, "Whoa, hey, kid!" He throws him his jersey. Well, Lemmy kind of threw me his jersey, so to speak. <laughs> I um, I'm I was hanging with Phil for the eight shows I did with them in Germany. And Phil I told, Campbell. Yeah, I told my band, I said, if Lemmy walks in the room. Just leave. Don't screw because they like to drink, like like you know, and party. And I was like, don't break nothing. Don't get kicked, gets kicked off this tour, man. So everything was good. Last show, let me calls to Phil. It says, call Nick back here. And so I went back there, and he, and he goes, hey, you can't take it with. I, I had some 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 speed with me. You know? Right, right. <laughs> that was Lemmy's favorite, right? It was, man. I was like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna not carve up some lines oh, with Lemmy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I absolutely know what you're saying, yeah. It's like smoking weed with Bob Marley exactly. or something. You know, yeah, yeah. The opportunity Completely. to do that, it's like you got to do it. So, Or having a shot of Jack and Coke with your good self. Have some more. We, we'll have another yeah, one in one right, minute, yeah. Right. And you know, I'll tell you, he goes, I'll buy it off you. You can't take it with you. And I go, you're right, I can't take it with you. But it's for you. And he goes, well, I'll buy it off you. I go, you already have bought it off me. Your music. I, in fact, I owe you a lot more if that's the case. You know what I mean? And he goes, well, I'll make it up to you. And I go, and Phil goes, how about he comes up and plays second base and sings Overkill? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, bullshit, right? And, he, and Lemmy goes, all right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, God, dude. I'm doing cartwheels in my head. I don't even know how to do cartwheels. I'm going like, this is this is out of out of control, right? So I'm like, okay. I go up to sound check. I get his, his Rick and Bastard. It's got the carvings in it and stuff, the, the, the special bass. And I, I plug into one side because he's got the two amps wired together. But he, he, he singles them out. I plug into one side. I go, Bruh! it was the loudest thing. I, 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 I literally, I'm not afraid of things. I got to be honest. I'm not normally that scared. I went, <gasps> cheers, mate. Cheers to you, dude. For, for Lemmy. And, and you know, I said, hey, man. I said, oh, my God, dude. You don't need a second bass player. I don't want to screw this up. How about I sing the second verse, do a stage dive, and I'm out of here. And he goes, all right. <laughs> all right. So I got, a, I got a video of this. I'm going to post it on YouTube. I've been meaning to. I just don't know how to upload because I'm stupid. <laughs> old okay. school, old school. I'm so old. old it's school. not even funny. Old I'm rotary school. dial, people. <laughs> so 
but I got a video of this. Uh, the Winnebago Deal, the English, the English Winnebago yeah, 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 Deal Oxford yeah. were, Your boys. were my bandmates at the yeah, time yeah. at Mondo. So. The two bands. That oh, was awesome. And um, They're from Oxford, right? Oxford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oxford yeah, yeah. kids, yeah. From yeah. Palm Springs to Oxford, England. Yes, you know they're 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 a heavy 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 band. They were and um, yeah, I really like those guys. And um, but man, Lemmy Lemmy does this. He kind of I, I I think of it like this. He threw me the jersey, you know, because he goes. He said he'd make it up to me, even though I was like, don't worry about it. And after the show, every show they did. This was like the thirty-first anniversary tour when I toured with them. They did forty years, but the thirty-first anniversary tour. They were they were after the show. They congratulate each other. They hug each other, give each other a handshake, like good show. And I watched this. And it was so inspiring. I was like, wow, man. I've been in bands that have been around for five years. Don't do that anymore. You know, <laughs> thirty-one years. Well, I mean, I think Phil was in the band for thirty-two years, and at the time he was in it for sixteen or something. I don't know how long. Maybe I'm, I, my math's not so good. But I know at the end he was in it for thirty-two years. It was a long time to be in a band, but that long. Up until then, to be still handshaking and, 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 and still be brothers, I was impressed. And he, and Lemmy goes, "Come over there," and included my band in on the last show on their handshake and congratulation thing. I was like, "What?" And Ben's are looking at me, and I'm looking at them like, "Dude, let's go!" <laughs> so obviously really excited, you know. And uh, my friends in the band Airborne, I don't know if you know yeah, that band. I know them. Yeah. They just made a single called "It's All for Rock and Roll," which is about Lemmy. It's a tribute to him. Awesome. And the music video they got lent the motorhead camp lent them the bomber the stage prop and it's in the video and motorhead said you know because of this gesture of a tribute from you from your part when we um air and like debut the single instead of you doing it on your website we'll put it out on ours wow. and they just did it yesterday so motorhead said Congrats, our friends airborne. in airborne have done this song for lemmy and they debuted it on the motorhead Congrats website to airborne man that's amazing it's so good right killer. that's so great I, I mean I love Motorhead so much and you know he did this thing at the end of the the handshakes and stuff and and, and, and this is how he made it up to me he's like he's like an old at the time he was like to me he was like an old blues player like I'm gonna play till I die and he did yeah he, he played yeah, yeah, till, yeah. till he was done and and uh and he uh he shook my hand and he said you're a good bass player and I went what <laughs> freaked me out man I was like Thanks, Lem. You know, it means so much to me to be on this tour and, and, and to have you be so cool to us. It really means a lot. And he shook my hand, and when I went to walk away, he goes, Hey! And I turned around and he gave me the save. He kind of winked at me like, like we're even. <laughs> Without saying it, I was like, Yes! <laughs> I turned dead. around, I started walking, I was just like, I wanted to just go, Yeah! If I didn't, you know, I, just, I walked out. I you wait till like, you got around the corner, and then. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did too, man. And so did all the, the bands, the two bands went like, we were all hugging each other, like jumping up and down, like yeah, dude, motorhead. But Phil, Phil's been a, a great friend of mine, and um, he uh, played on a solo record I did. He's just bringing out a solo record as well, yeah, right? Phil's great, man. He's so good. He's, I thought to myself, man, one of the best drummers and one of the best guitar players in their in in music are without a band right now. Oh my god, you know, it's like it's so crazy to me, you know. Uh, and and um, but Phil called me up. I texted him and, he, and he, he texted me back one day and I was in the studio making a record. He said, what are you up to? I go, I'm making a record right now. Was, and Lem, Lem had passed already, so he was like, man, uh, send me a track or two. I'll, I'll play a solo a solo on it. I was like, really? So I sent him some songs and, uh, and he sent me back his solo on this. You can hear it's him. You know, he had that style and sound. It's like, that's Phil. 
and um, he played on a song called Robot Man that I had, and um, just a real gem, real diamond, that guy, he's just a, he, I really get along with Phil really well, and a uh, um, great guy, you know, really, really good dude, he, and he was so, I, I toured with his son's band, uh, Mondo did, not knowing his sons were in this band. Straight but, Lines. Yeah, we listened to a bunch of CDs. Great band. Like, this Re- is the band we're going to Real catchy, hooky, undertonesy, buzzcocksy kind of. Halfway through the tour, one of the guys goes, hey, my dad's in, Mo- in Motorhead. I said, what? Who? <laughs> and so we got, you know, we were drinking cider with them every night and stuff. So the first Motorhead I show boys, I did on man, the tour, Todd and Phil Dane. shows up with yeah. with John was like, thanks for, being, <laughs> thanks for being good to my boys. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Right, we, and you didn't even know. We didn't yeah. know. You know, we, we chose them because we listened to the to the six different CDs we had, and that was the best one. We're taking straight lines with us. <laughs> so it was great. It was it was a good tour. And, uh, and the bands and me, we did lots of touring together with, with some bands, you know, but that was one of them. We had a really good time, you know. And, and so it, it really um, meant something to, to Phil. And, and, and Phil's, Phil's a great guy. And, and Motorhead's forever <laughs> motorhead forever Amen. I'd do a motorhead song tonight if I thought I could pull it off acoustic but I don't want to butcher a motorhead tune let's do one more you know what I'm saying man. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I butcher enough of my own and other people's songs <laughs> but motorhead needs more justice um can I ask you Nick when you left Caius what was the the sort of the driving reason behind that well my father um had some troubles um and um, he drove off a cliff in 1991. And uh, we dedicate the record to him to put a little picture of him. There's like a weird picture of the two guys, like greaser looking dudes. And on a, like an old Chevy with their feet up on their motorcycles. One of them is my dad. And so we dedicate the record to D, the memory of DJO, which is Douglas Joseph Oliveri. And um, I kind of was kind of going in a faster musical kind of thing at the time and um because that rated our album to kind of jump forward a little bit quickly when you obviously reconnected with josh and he invited you back to play music together and whatever you could hear your musical stamp on certain tracks and even on songs for the deaf as well like fucking you think i ain't worth a, a Dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. However, you pronounce the thing that about title. the thing about you could hear Josh's, your sound. He adds something. Guy. I believe. I don't know if he feels the same way. Maybe he did at one time. I, I, I don't know if he still does or if he did ever. I know my songs are better when it's. Um, I can make a good tomato paste, but if somebody else is involved with it, then they're, they're putting some basil in it, and then and it some, becomes some, spaghetti. You know, it becomes like something nice. You know, and my my favorite songs are the ones that say, you know. Um, Osborne, Iomi, Butler, and Ward. Those are my favorite ones. Not just the Iomi songs, which I love Tony Iomi, not to take away, but that's how I feel about my songs. When Josh hears something I'm doing, he goes like, dude, I got this other part. It's going to fit in there really nice, or I can add something to it. It becomes better to me. And I know he adds something great to, to, to my songs, and, 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 and I believe I add something to his too. You know, I, I think a, a bridge you weren't thinking of, well, I would have never thought of a bridge like that, but it totally works killer, you know? It becomes a better song. And, and, and what I add to his songs, I believe, makes something special. And I like his songs on his own, too. I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking away from his songwriting. I think he's a great songwriter. Um, but I so know I, I know you're I going something. in a musical, di- like a different musical direction, and then the... And Caius, yeah, I was kind of going in a different direction. I was also... Did what happened to your dad really 
as it obviously would cut you up um you know my dad he uh he he we weren't really talking at the time and um for a little while like a year or so for some reason we had some personal reasons we weren't really getting along so much but um he reached out to me a week before he died and and um called me up and he said i i ordered your cassette wretch and i had to, he had to, he lived in oakhurst california at the time which is way up in the mountains by yosemite he had to drive down into fresno an hour to a record store because there's no record stores in oakhurst to get the tape he had ordered specially ordered the cassette of Caius Ratch back when there was cassettes, and uh, <laughs> and so he called me up and said he was proud of me and uh, and, and and he liked it and he was listening to it and, and he really he really was really proud of me and so it meant a lot to me when he told me that and um, it still does. And a week later, I got a call from my brother saying Dad drove off a cliff and I was like, what? So it really really um, meant a lot to me that he. he he called and told me that, you know, and and, and, I, and when I went to to uh, his funeral and stuff, I was going through his tapes and sure shit, he had the Kai Express, but it was in the player. It wasn't in the it wasn't in the the, the glove box. Or something. I looked at yeah. the player, it was in there. He was listening to it, you know, and it really uh, meant something to me. And um, so, you know, and he liked good music. My dad liked the music. My mother listened to music, you know, the Supremes and fifties stuff, you know. Girl group, Phil Spector. My mom used to make Josh, Ronettes. you know. After practice, dance with her. You know, my mom would be drinking and come here and dance with me, John. Come here, John. You know, she make all the. She loved the boys. You know, loved the boys coming over and playing and, and and listening to music and shit like that. You know? My dad loved music too. My dad loved Eddie Cochran and and, and summertime blues stuff like that. You know, um, some dead, even some dead Grateful Dead stuff. My dad would listen to and just some, you know, everything across the board. Lots of fifties stuff. You know, and and. Um, into the 60s and 70s but he liked hard hard music too you know it's pretty, pretty uh he just worked you know to take care of the make grow, raise the kids you know as people do and and i never I, I i always stood away from kids you know i never had any kids nothing against it i just always said like man i'm too selfish i want to go on tour and, and i know I, that would stop that to have kids you know and um not saying I don't try all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you just you do the practice. Yeah, you're always right. doing the practice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if I, I can have kids. I've actually tried with people that have got kids with other people. So, you know, I'm glad that that didn't happen at the time that I was trying. Though, I still try every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I want to tour. I want to play music. You know, and, and and at my age now, I'm 45. Not that it's too late to have kids, but you know, I don't want to be sixty-year-old dad. You know, like I don't understand what you're saying or what you're coming yeah. from at all. Tweeting, what the hell's that? Yeah. I mean, that's now as well. It's, Who knows it's what so it'll be hard like? For and... me to figure it out, man. Posting the shows, like I can do it, but the shows are going good. I'm like, if I post it, it'll be it'll jinx it. The tour will fall apart. Yeah, <laughs> people will stop coming if I if I post it. So I, <laughs> I. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't posted anything yet. I'm kind of, kind of superstitious. I'll post for you, dude. I'll say it's going I'm well. Super superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about Blag yeah. and and the dwarves. I you need, got a new record. I need to fucking take a real quick piss, man, because I'm it, bursting. Go for it. But when we come back, can we talk the dwarves and Blag and you how it, you man. two met? There's a new dwarves record too, mastered and done and everything. Hold that thought. You got it.
is this guy doing a sweet child of mine? Holy fucking shit balls. Oh boy. Oh wait, I got you, I got you. Ah. Is this guy doing sweet child of mine? <laughs> That's brutal. Like That's it? brutal. <laughs> it's good for you. Because people out there are going to be like, what the fuck? Brutal. Could it get any worse? Dude. Um, so you leave Caius yeah. and you hook up. I mean, where did you meet Blag, first of all? Because when you left Caius, you went and jammed with the doors, right? And that's Josh when Matt... doesn't like to admit this but because they've had a feud, Blag and him. But well, Blag took us on we, our can first Can we talk about tour. that in a bit as well? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Blag took us on our first tour. Our first national tour is Caius. Um, we went out to New York and did a new music seminar. And fucking, in uh, um, um, uh, and on our way back, we had a couple shows at our manager book for us. One was at OK's Crown Madison, where the Georgia were recording the second sub pop record, Thank Heaven for Little Girls. On the marquee at the OK's Crown, Metal from LA, Caius. And we were like, what? Metal from LA, which we. we we, thinking poison or something. We hated <laughs> the term. We, we thought of ourselves as like heavy dirt rock, you know. We didn't think of ourselves as metal. Now I don't mind whatever people want to call us, but um, and, and L.A., from L.A. was like a big, no, we're not from L.A., we're from the desert. And so that was like whatever, but they came in to heckle us. And me and Brant had seen the dwarves in L.A. and were fans and recognized them. They came in to heckle us. We were like, oh, me and Brandon between the song went, we played drugstore and gave him a tip of the hat. Did like a few bars of it and they were like, hey, these guys are all right. You know, they're, they're yeah, being yeah, cool. Yeah. And we had a different kind of sound. We were tuned down to B at the time. It was like really low. And so we became friends. Black goes, hey, I'm going on this tour and this record comes out. Invite us to the studio the next day. Played us a few songs. I'll thank heaven. We're like, wow, this is great. We went on tour with them. And, um, so when they did this, the 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 fake death of Hugh Capney named. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, Which Sub Pop dropped them for, right? They were like, well, they or not. Sub Pop had a two record deal with the option for a third record, which Sugar Fix would have been the third record. Okay. So they kind of washed their hands to make themselves look better. Yeah. And they were in on. It. I remember Black being on the phone going like, "This is gonna be great. We're gonna do this fake death. It's gonna be press, like, press, you know? press, press." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 their and their publicist was into it. They knew all about it, but when it came out to like. People weren't happy about it. So Pop was like, oh, we dropped them. It's over. These guys are dead. <laughs> so we had yeah. no idea. They cover their own back. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how that shit goes. Yeah. So, Blag was, uh, you know. But before that happened, I went on tour with him. He, I said, hey, dude, I need to, to, to go on tour. He told me, I almost said his real name, but he who can have a name is dead. <laughs> so I was... I was like, oh my God, he's a friend of mine, you know? And, and so he goes, come up here and try out and play. Maybe we'll do this Sugar Fix tour. And I was like, okay. He goes, you're going to play guitar. And I was like, all right, cool. I already know the, the first two records, or the first two sub pop records, because I play along with them at home. He goes, come up here. You need to get up here. So I go up there. I try out. We do four songs. I got the gig. Um, all these flowers come in the house from friends, people that, because we can't let anybody in on this. <laughs> I find out the truth. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? He goes, no, dude, he's all right. He just he got married to a woman. It's really the woman, his first wife was pretty brutal. So um, 
they they buried him when he got married. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not punk rock, I don't know what it is, but that's some Andy Kaufman shit. That right is, there. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know they they killed off. They, they said he who cannot be named died. They didn't say his real name. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They killed off a character. That's like saying like Batman is dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it is for this it franchise. Is. It is what it is. Yeah. You know? So I went on tour, played guitar. I had a great time. It was 1993. I've been playing in the Dwarves for 23 years, I think. I'm counting wrong or right. I'm not sure. But I've been on all the records except for on bass since 93. All the Black Dahlia band stuff. Thank Heaven for Little Girls is the first tour. We've changed the name back to ours. I play on every record bass except for Must Die. I sing the song called Blast, lead vocals. Um, Tell me about that, dude, because as a showman, as a performer... He's killer. Like, he's one of the funny... Black. Yeah, he's pure, like, arrogant rock star swagger. But it's an act. What's he like behind the the facade of his amazing on-stage persona? He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's been a friend of mine for since I met him. He's been there for me in times where, you know, I got nowhere to stay, man. He's, he's opened his door for me every time. No matter how messed up I was or anything like that, that's irrelevant to him. He's like, you're my friend. Come in, dude. I got you. And Black's even created jobs for me as far as like, oh, dude, you're having a hard time. You sing second vocals. I already got a bass player filling in for the tour, but you got to sing vocals with me because you're going to die if you don't come out tour with me. So I bet, all right, let's go. And, you know, pay me and stuff like that and help me get my rent and shit like that. It's in times of need, you know, Black's been there for me. A true friend. He's been yeah. a friend to me. He's been a friend to me till the end. And uh, when Black asked me to do something uh, musically, I I say yes, you know, because I want to be part of, of the band. And, 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 and I am. And, and I, um, you know, I, I we have a new record in the past six or seven years we got three or four new records out the new record which we're trying to pull for make the dwarves good again if it's a title it's too perfect it's too perfect he's like make the dwarves great again no make the dwarves good again make them uh, pretty good again set the bar there he wants to have some he's toying out the different names which you know at the end of the day it's going to be what he wants it to be yeah. but it is a band and, and he and we have some different titles we want, but we, we're all pulling for Make the George Good Again. And I'll play a song from that tonight that I have. I have nice. some songwriting on it, a couple tunes, three tunes. And uh, and it, it was one of those things where Josh Fries, the drummer, goes, hey, man. Is Josh drumming on the project? Yeah. Wow. He did the that last guy's three, a busy last motherfucker. Three records, last three records with us. And he was like, Flag, come to my house. We'll, we'll track drums. Because he's got a, a drum drum studio obviously and so we did the drums we played along with them and then we went and did our bass and guitars and, and made, you know we learned all his he had four songs we all Black was like okay we're recording next weekend next weekend because yeah Josh wants us to record next weekend he's got a few songs sent them in the emails to each other write everybody write three songs and we'll meet together in the middle and we'll make a record and that's exactly what it is it's and it's killer, man. It's it, it, it. I'm really proud of the record. It really turned out super good, man. It, it, I wasn't sure at first. I was like, wow, we're kind of throwing this together. But everybody's brought their styles of what they thought the dwarves are, and um, and and I thought I really brought some good ones. You know, some hardcore stuff that it needed. You know, black stuff is 
Grodgy, yeah. short numbers. Hooky. Great hooks, man. Black's a master just, writing hooks. It's pop music. He's great it's at perverse it. perverse pop music. He can music, write yeah. a song. And, and I learned a lot with songwriting from him. You know, like growing up, uh, I, I had a hard time finishing songs. Like, Kaius, we jam for 19 minutes later. The song's still going. <laughs> and we're yeah, having yeah. fun doing it. So, But Black taught me, like, dude, there's a formula to rock, you know, Ramones, Get in, get 50s, out. 50s. Comment. There's a formula to songwriting if you want to do rock and roll. It's like, you know, the verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, out, done. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it doesn't even last that long. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i got three questions for you, Nick, you to it. end it. Number one, is he on any minute? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 15? 10? 5? Two minutes. Um, number two, I'd like to get a picture of you for like the podcast episode against brick walls and number three is there's so much more stuff that i want to talk to you about should we do it afterwards we can do it afterwards or we can do it in london or we can do it whenever do you want to hang out know. afterwards you, you want to hang know. out afterwards that's fine i'm down i'll, I'll have to talk to some people afterwards because i just do that but yeah uh, yeah yeah uh, whenever you want Are you, do you have a show tomorrow Chancellor. let's fucking if you're hanging out late we can do this tonight let's fucking hang out late and do it tonight you got it brother Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The fans created the movement of Caius. Caius existed. When I played in Caius, I can remember the people that came to see me and see the band play when I came to see the band play when I was in the band. Dave Grohl would come with Chris Nawaselk, and we went to Seattle and uh, in LA. There was a group of people like there was a friend, Hot Rod, Long, Hot Rod Long, that was a journalist. There was people that really helped us. And other than that, it was our friends. It was bands. We were a bands band, and uh, so was Queens and Stones when we started too. We were a bands band. Where we didn't sell any records, but bands like this, you know, like we want to take you on tour. Like, thanks, man, because we need the help, you know. And um, as you said in an interview that I read, bands don't buy records; they get given them for they, free. Yeah, my friends, I give them my records. If so I you could be a band's band for forever, ten, forever. fifteen years, forever. but never make any money. 
It's a true story. And, and, and now that now that the record business is gone, like everybody is always saying, like, oh man, indie labels, it's better than going to major. The only thing I ever get paid from in the past, like that I scrape by on barely, <laughs> is the stuff I did with Queens, yeah. and, which was on a major, and and um, but all all the indie label stuff, I don't. I do it because I love it, and, and and I play it on a lot of different releases, and um, it's always bands that I love to, to be part of, you know. And and please let me get into that, man. Let me do some. And so when somebody asks me that a band I really love, I always say yes. And and um, it isn't about money. It's about it's about playing, and it's about be holding the the physical copy in my hand, like a record. Like I'm on this, even if it's one song. It's like yeah. That's 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 that fills my heart with more than money could give me because I'll spend the money in a second. <laughs> I'll spend money fast, and I and because I don't come from money, I don't know how to I don't know how to save it and hold it. I I, I enjoy it and I live my life to enjoy it. And uh, sometimes sometimes you can't you can't uh, you can't trade that for for anything else, you know. And and to be able to to be part of some of the stuff I got to be part of, including Caius, it, it's. Uh, it's a lucky thing, and um, I really um, feel like uh, like a luck, like a lucky person, you know, to be able to do that. And I, 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 I need, a- I need to say two things, dude. First of all, if that girl wants to get her bag or your friend, then she's welcome <laughs> to because she's not ruining anything. I, just, I don't want her waiting outside all night. Like, if she's gone, that's cool. Nadia, her name's Nadia. Nadia. The other thing I wanted to ask Nick is like, fuck, like, is that a you mean phone? I, you mean I can fucking cuss? <laughs> um, I fucking like that. <laughs> can we get real? Can we get serious? Yeah. And obviously now it's more intense because there's an audience. But um, I have friends where our friendships are complicated. Oh, me too. <laughs> and and the best, may I as well? Of course, right? Trip. Do it, bro. Let's smoke together. The best friendships are the most complicated. They're the ones that have scars and levels of... Of course. Betrayal, disappointment, expectation, all these things. And rekindling and shit like that. Because it's a relationship. That's right. And it's funny because people can say, you know... A friendship is as multifaceted and deep and intense as a marriage. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Absolutely. In fact, it's it's less complicated than a marriage because, because you in, don't in have the, the end, physical... a divorce has the law involved, which is crazy to me. Like, I've gone through two of them, <laughs> and I've gone through more band betrayals and band loyalty issues and... and and things like that, then, then, then the marriage, marriages, and uh, I don't have to go. You know, the one time I had uh, the law involved with with music stuff, it, it hurt me the most. But uh, you learn from it, and you learn that, like, wow, the music is music is a business. What? And that sucks. What's your friendship with Josh, though? How how could you or how would you go about? I hate him and I love him, just like a brother. It's like a brother. It's like blood, you know, like 
It can be your best friend and the coolest guy in the world, or somebody like that guy's a dick. <laughs> so it's given, you know. But n- normally, you have to know him for him to be a dick. You know, he has to have a reason to be a dick to you. But sometimes, like anybody, you know, you don't know what's going on in his personal life. So when you go to say, "Hey, dude, how you doing?" and he's like. Oh, you know, you don't know if somebody in his family is had. You don't. You don't know what's going on. You know, you can meet somebody for the first time. Like you don't know their mom passed, or so, not that that happened to him, but you don't know that that happened. Absolutely. Yeah, I get and they that. could be like, yeah. I don't have time, and they're like, that guy's a dick, but you don't know for sure. Like what's going. Well, everyone's on. just a person, aren't they? That's right. Every, everybody everybody at the end of the strong. day is 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 just, <laughs> is like everybody hey, else, man. It's like just like, nobody. The barrier doesn't exist. It's not existing. It's non-existing. It's, it's, it's all for show or whatever. I don't know what it, I don't know what it's for. You know. But do you feel like the best and the most creative and the most like vivid musical times of your life have been with him? Yeah, I mean, the, the, we got to do things that I never would have dreamt I got to do, and um, and uh. I got to do it once, you know, and that was an amazing thing. And we were at the very end of the record business, you know, where there was... That's the other thing is around that turn of the millennium, there was a a few bands. There was like when Queens peaked, that was it. When the darkness from the UK peaked, that was it. There was a few bands that came, even Foo Fighters, really. Like, although Dave had made his name in Nirvana, like Foo Fighters peaked around that time and it was around 99 to 2001 2002 that was like the tail end of record stores around the world advances just like that advances yeah it it was it was a great time and I'm very cheers <laughs> and I'm very happy to have, to be able to be in somewhere near that where it's like wow like it, you didn't you didn't really realize it till it was gone like what and the thing that's funny about it is is not funny but it was hard it was like when when the internet came around which I'm still trying to get used to is uh I love the internet for free porno I'm just kidding I'm just, no seriously I have to shut off my internet every now and again just so I can get some shit done you know here's, a, here's a funny thing Nick. here's a funny thing right there was a phrase that kids used to use when they went online which is and you'll know this Ryan BRB be right back right and they go away and then they log back in now people don't log out they're constantly on they're always Every, live they're always everybody on everybody does a location thing with their locations thing it's like wow man if i did a location thing that's like giving into one like i'm still a kid at heart and i'm still going against the system and I'm afraid they're following me because I'm paranoid. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not. I'm paranoid for a reason because I believe that they are following all of us, not just me. I'm not going. They're signaling me out because I'm not that important. I'm saying all of us are suspect to being followed by, and that's why they wanted to us to register because you know you can't just get a phone and go like I'm on location at such and such. My friends will come. You have to, when you first get your phone, you have to go, like, my name is da 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 and you're yeah. registering. Basically, it's a way that the government, I believe, the way the government says, I want to know who you are, where you're going, and what you're doing. And the, and the proof of that, and the proof of that becomes true when, when my friends from, from places like Italy and from UK and from other, other countries go, oh, just to get into America now, it used to be like two sheets. Now I have to fill out 14 sheets and I have to put my social media page 
down so they can look at that. So it's a way the U.S. It's a way I don't know about your guys' country and other countries, but I know the U.S., which kind of sucks, is a fucking mess, and they want to know who you are in the TSA, and they want to they want to follow you, and and and, and, and I don't want to get into politics, but I mean I'm. Since I was a kid, I've been against my parents following me. I guess teachers and everything like that, because that's how I rolled and that's how I lived. And and, and I don't want to be told what to do and be followed. And a, a cell phone is a way that we're giving them information so they can follow us. Like I'll Where give up you? my information, but I'm going to give it to you unknowingly. They're going to yeah, give you yeah, this great because the cell phone's a great thing. Like wow, what a prize! You get a computer, and it's at your it's at your hands too. So you get to use it for your needs too. But you're also giving your them where you're at too, and, and what you're doing. And, and and I come from the rotary phone, and I come from the hey mom, I'm going over to uh, my, my my buddy Bobby's house. It's not for you to know, mom. It's not for you to but know. But I'd be going over there, and I'd go over to my girlfriend's house. Where I was supposed to be staying at when I was that young, and it was all good, you know. They would never know. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Nick. Here's a question, and I hope you don't mind if I. Ask I'm not you saying anything. go. Have sex. I'm saying <laughs> go have fun. <laughs> can I get another cigarette, Nick? You can have whatever you want, man. Let's um let's take a moment as well to just appreciate the uh post show. The moment. <laughs> post show. Yeah, trip, bro. As a bass player, tell me about locking in. Thank you for saying bass player as a bass player, because I am a bass player. You're the guy who created some of the best baselines. Like, tell me about what it was like for you locking in with someone like Dave. Dude, first of all, for, thank you for the words of the bass player. And because uh, Dave made me a better bass player because I was trying to be a good bass player, and all I ever wanted to do as a kid when I started playing bass was like, I want to be. I want to be somebody, someone's, I want to be recognized by somebody as a, a good bass player, or I want to be somebody's favorite bass player even, and uh, and, 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 and that's all I was trying to do, is because I have favorite musicians that I look up to, and as drummers go, Dave and Joey Castillo are, are two of my favorite drummers, they're up there with, with Bonham, and, and Bill Ward, and, 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 and those are some of my favorite drummers, you know, and and I, uh, I always wanted to be somebody's favorite bass player or considered a good bass player, and so that that was all I was trying to do by playing bass. But uh, uh, but playing with Dave was like I was taking my bass home because I wanted to be better because he was so good at his instrument. I was like, because he's an out of this world good, right? Like he, he get he gets props it. as like the guy that he is, like the nice guy rock and roll, he and he is it. that. But when you just see him drum. I toured with him. I recorded with him. I toured with him. We went on on tour, and, and, and we got all the way. To, we toured Europe. We went to the states. We toured states, and at, on the last show that he did with us, he made a mistake, and that's when I knew he was quitting because he didn't say anything. I was like, I know the powers of be like his. He signs mortgage checks for the Foo Fighters crew, and I mean, there's people that go like, dude, I know you're having fun playing drums, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And dude, he dropped a he dropped a stick. On a, a song called Avon, which is has a drum fill, doo, 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 and at the end of the song, it goes back into the song, and he dropped a stick. And normally, if he dropped a stick, he'd, he'd just take one hand and go, and he wouldn't even know, it, and everybody go, ah! <laughs> and he dropped a stick and he, he put his head down. And he gave up. He didn't even do it. Try to do it with one hand. I looked back at him, and, 
And he put his head up and he smiled and the whole kind of went, yeah, I went, he could do no wrong. <laughs> that guy. And, and, and I knew right then, but in the back, of it, I was like, I smiled too, like, wow. And I knew in the back of my head, I was like, he's quitting. He's going to quit. And the next day he said like, yeah, man, because he would have never given, thanks brother. He would have never given up ever. I know him every single night. If there was a drum roll he did on the first part of the course and the second part was a certain drum roll, the third part was a second, certain drum roll, it was the same thing every night, just like it was on the record. Every single time, perfect. So I, I know I didn't have to look back at him at some point to like watch him, to like I'll do a fill with him. I know I could do the fill I did on the record because he was gonna do the drum. Like, it was unbelievable. And uh, it really made me a better player because I, it, it, you know, playing with somebody like that is a. Uh, it, 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 it brings you up here when you're down here. Like I think I'm doing good, but you're here, and like he's up here, and you're he's playing so good. I I knew I had to get better, and and I wasn't ashamed of that. I wasn't I wasn't down for that. I was I was up for it, and I was, I'm ready to do it, and I want to be better, and I still want to be better. I'm still trying to be better, and. Um, Playing with people like that, you either have to get good, or you get t- you get taken out of the band. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like, or you take okay, yourself out. Yeah, yeah. You take yourself. You, you have the choice to, to be part of it or get better and be part of it. Or when somebody said like, "Hey, you step it up," I was like, I knew. I was like, "Wow, this guy's killing it. This is great," and so happy he was there. And uh, I don't want to. I don't want to suck anyway. If, but with Dave, it was like, dude, Dave was so great, and uh, Dave's 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 a great guy on top of it too. Which, you know, Dave Dave's got a studio that's so amazing, you know. And he he asked me to record there with the record called Dead Planet by Lana Generator, and I go, dude, I can't afford your studio. He goes, like, dude, I'm asking you to record there. I was like, really? So I got to record at his studio, and he charged me like the electricity fee or something. It was really? a long time ago. He, he now I don't think he can do that, but yeah, yeah. back then he was like, "Please come." And, and Dave's been a champion in my life. He's been a champion in my life, and he's been a uh, a champion in a lot of people's lives. He's a he's a great guy at heart, and he's a great guy. And 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 he, not only can he as good as he is on drums, he's that good as a person that I know. I couldn't say a bad thing about him. There's not anything I think about it. I've seen his personal life. I've seen his professional life. I've seen him rock for fun. I've seen him everything. And I couldn't say a bad thing about him. He's, he's, he's truly a great he's, guy. He's the guy that you see, the he's, nicest guy in rock. He kicks ass. He's a great guy. Um, I'm being told to wrap it up. I'm just trying to think about how I can now I bring it home. It up. I hate rapping. Me it? too, dude. But um, I, I want to ask this before we go. We got to do more in London. I'm up for the part three. Yeah, we got to do it. Um, last question for There's tonight. a lot of stuff we haven't covered. We got to do it. Dude, I want to ask you this, Nick. And if it's a raving question, then you don't have to answer it. But there was a BBC interview that Josh said that you fucking, you know, were a violent. I know, man. You were a violent figure towards your partner at the time, and he called you out on BBC radio. He did. He did call me out, and I tried to. I tried to have a an answer back, and I couldn't get through to them, which was fucking bullshit to me because I've known Josh since I was 
it's tall, you know what I mean? And, and I'm the same person I was when I was 12. <laughs> I'm the same person I am. I, I've never changed. I, uh, I never changed. So we get these interviews, like we get these reviews and his record's not doing so good in reviews and, and I'm sorry, dude. And Black and him have a fight. Who won out of that fight as well? Well, Josh broke a bottle on Black's head and he had to get stitches and, and Black, uh, Josh denies it. But Mo Rat from Krang and all these people are there to see it. It's it's a it's a it's it's a real touchy thing, you know. Josh still, I've known him a long time. When I asked him about it, he goes like, "I don't need to use a bottle on Black. I'll kick his ass." And it's true, he would kick Black's ass. But he used the bottle on his head, you know. And it, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a touchy thing. And and he was mad because for a reason, you know, somebody went against somebody went against the army. But Black's known him a lot of years. He went against the army and and. The day I was kicked out of the Queens was was a February fifteenth, February fifteenth, two thousand four, and I wasn't told I was kicked out of the Queens. I read it on the internet, so I said some things. I said some things on an, I said things on an interview, and it was crazy. I said some things on an interview, and they dropped my voice in on the song. And Black is Kip Casper on the beginning of Songs of the Deaf. It's Kip Casper. Blah, blah, blah. So he says at the end of a Dwarf song, Kip Casper, he slept in my floor and I'm sleeping through your records on a song called, I forget the name of the Dwarf song. It's like a rap song. Dwarf's on a rap and whatever. So he's pissed off. He breaks the bottle on Black's head. He's pissed off at me because I'm part of it. And he talks some shit on the radio. And um, it's a shame, you know. It's a shame because I'm the same person that he knew when I was a kid, and he's uh, he's the same person I've known since since the same time too. So I mean, I'm not gonna talk shit. I'm just gonna whatever, take it. Okay, we can, we can do this in London. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.